Happy Sabbath. You know, it's it's funny. I was just sitting here and I was thinking to myself, uh, every time I, before I, I get up to speak, I always have like this nervousness inside me. You know, kind of like, it's like intense, like you're about to go into like a basketball game or something, you know, it's like championship game and you're all like tensed up and stuff. But I, I just need to relax. Um, happy Sabbath. Uh, once again, it's just always an honor and privilege to, to be here and to share the word of God uh, with you guys. And I thank... Um, Leroy and whoever else is responsible for allowing me to take over the pulpit this Sabbath. Uh, thank you guys very much. And um, what we're going to do today is we're going to study uh, the book of Numbers. Um, I prepared a sermon that I started on Monday, came yesterday, uh, felt impressed when I woke up in the morning that I needed to change it, so it was changed. And uh, we're going to be studying Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. We're going to look... Um, at the experience of the Israelites while they're on the border of the promised land. And we're going to see, just like any other sermon or talk, uh, what practical applications we can pull out and, uh, and apply to our lives. So without further ado, uh, let's just begin with a word of prayer. Our Father and our God that is in heaven, we thank you for this day and we thank you for all that you've done for us. And we thank you for, once again, just allowing us to be here. And for some reason, I'm more nervous right now than I have ever been. Uh, maybe because this is the first time I've ever preached this message. But, uh, Father, I just ask you now that you just <laughs> calm me down and that you just be uh, with us. Just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to just learn uh, the things that you want us to learn to apply uh, to our daily lives. And uh, just open up our eyes and our hearts to truth. And um, we just thank you for all that you've done. And all these things we pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you open up your, your Bibles with me to the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 13, and we're going to start uh, with verse 1. And just like I said earlier, what we're going to study just briefly this morning is we're going to study uh, the experience of the Israelites while they were standing on the border of the promised land. Uh, the Bible tells us that this is an ex experience, uh, that this, this story is an example for us, something that we should learn from, something that we should study and analyze. And that's what we're going to do over the next uh, couple of minutes. We're going to analyze this story. We're going to try to break this thing down. We're going to try to pull things out of this story that we can apply to our lives that will strengthen um, our walk with Jesus Christ on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to start with verse 1. And it reads, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Send thou man, that they might search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one ruler among them. In Numbers 13, the Israelites, they've been out of slavery for about a year, right? And here they're standing on the border of Canaan, the border of the promised land, this, this land of prosperity, this land that's, that's flowing with milk and honey. And here God is communicating with Moses, right? He's telling Moses, get 12 spies together and go search out the land of Canaan. To search out this, this promised land. The, the, the Lord here, you have to realize, is very specific in verse 2. He does not just tell Moses just to grab any run-of-the-mill Israelite, just your, you know, your everyday Israelite. He is very specific. He, he tells Moses, I want you to grab leaders, right? In verse 2, let's, let's read verse 2 again. Send thou man that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe of their fathers shall you send every one ruler among them. 
So you have to realize that, that God is very specific here. He, he, he's telling Moses, I don't, I, I don't want you just to, just to grab, you know, just your everyday Israelite. I want you to grab leaders from the 12 tribes. And we'll read verse 3. And Moses said by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Uh, by the showing of hands, how many people in here are generally familiar with this story? Most of us, I would assume, are generally familiar with this story, correct? So, you guys all know the eventual uh, results of the mission of the spies that went into Canaan, correct? We're all aware that when these spies came back, 10 out of the 12 spies came back with unfaithful reports to the children of Israel, correct? To the people of God. So... What do we learn from this? Seeing that, that these men, or the, these men that were sent into the land of Canaan, they, they weren't just your run-of-the-mill Israelite. These were leaders. These were, these, were, these were leaders, right? What do we learn from, from, from this experience or, or from this situation? I like communication when I speak, so I, I want some feedback. Only the minority. We're going to get into that a little later. Good, you're, you're, you're ahead of me, that's good. Anybody else? Okay, I'll just continue. These were men that were chosen by God to, to serve in positions of influence, right? Positions of, of responsibility. And if we would expect anyone to be faithful, we would expect that it would be the leaders to be faithful, correct? I mean, that's why they're leaders, right? Uh, the Bible says in, in Luke chapter 12 that where much is given, much is required. And First uh, Samuel 2.6 says that he who honors me, I will honor him. So, so it is safe for us to assume that if a man is in a position of leadership, it is because he has integrity, he has a, a perseverance, and he has, he has courage to, to march forward in faith wherever Lord, the Lord will lead him. That is the expectation that we have uh, for our leaders, right? And that is why they're leaders. But when the report came back from the 10 out of the 12 spies who were, were not just your any old Israelite. These were people who were specifically chosen by God to, to serve in positions of influence. When they came and they gave a negative report to the people of Israel saying, we can't overcome these people in this land. We can't do this and, and we can't do that. What do we learn from this? What, what do we learn from this experience? I mean, if it's anyone that we expect to be faithful, it should be our leaders, right? I mean, if it's anyone in our church that we expect to be faithful, it should be, you know, the head elder and the, the pastor. Correct? The people in chapter 14, uh, the people in chapter 14, uh, they are under major, major stress in the beginning of chapter 14. Uh, they are fearful for their lives. And they are wondering if they have been led out into the wilderness to simply die, right? They have a good reason to complain if you really think about it. Because uh, the ones that they have invested a lot of faith in and in a lot of, of trust in are faithless. So where does that leave them? 
you know, what does this teach me? Uh, what, what does this teach me as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ living in these last days? What, is this, what does this teach you as, as a followers living in the, these last days? Uh, uh, we, we, we follow Christ. Well, what does this teach us? Feedback. I, I want some feedback. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. One thing we learn from this that is even great men can fail us, right? Even great men can fail us. Even great men not only fail us, but they also can fail God, right? If I put my faith in myself, and if I put my faith in, in any other man in this world, that puts me, and if you do the same thing, that puts all of us in grave danger. And we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand on that in a little bit. Now, the, the whole camp, they were beginning to rebel against God in chapter 14. Now, do you think that they intentionally, like, oh, you know, like, like they had some, like, meeting at night, some secret meeting, and they're like, how about, you know, tomorrow we'll just, like, let's all rebel against God. Do you, do you think that they inadvertently or, or intentionally did that? Why do you think that they started to rebel against God? Lack of faith, lack of faith right? Lack of faith. Not only lack of faith, but because I believe they were man followers and man pleasers. And Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 tells us, cursed is the man who trusteth in man and makes flesh his arm, right? I mean, these people, they, they, they were on the border of the promised land. They, they, were, they, they were led out of Egypt. They followed God all through, like, through the wilderness and all of these different situations. And, and they were on the border of the promised land. And when they got to the border of the promised land, they held the, the word of man above the word of God. And I'm going to get into that a little later, too. See, you support your leadership. You love your leadership. And you respect your leadership. But you never ever, ever place your destiny in the hands of a mortal, sinful, fallen human being. You see, if our faith is only a second-hand faith that, that we gain off the experience of others, like these children of Israel were doing with the, the, these, these 10 out of the 12, the 12 spies, we are in grave danger in these last days. The people of God were on the verge of the promised land, but they did not attain it. Why? Because the word of their leaders was worth more to them than the word of God. You see, God had promised them the land. God had, had freed them from Egyptian slavery. God had, had parted the Red Sea for them. And how dare they get to the border of the promised land and hold the, the word of man above the word of the infinite God, right? Let us make sure that no matter how great the influence, that no matter how great the position one person holds in the church or in this world, that we never, ever hold the word of man above the word of God. Amen. 
We all have to have our own individual commitment to Christ. We all have to have our, our own personal experience with Christ. We can't have this secondhand experience like these children of Israel were. So let's pick this up in verse 26. In verse 26, the 12 leaders, they come back from spying out the land, and uh, the Bible tells us in verse 26, uh, And they went, and they came to Moses and Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and to the wilderness of Paran, to Gadesh, and, and brought back word unto them all, and to the congregation, and showed them forth the fruit of the land. Verse 27, And they told him, and said, uh, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong, that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of uh, Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, and said Let us go up at once. Listen to what Caleb is saying here. And Caleb stilled the people. He, he quieted everybody down, and he, he said before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are able to overcome it. What a great man of faith, right? But let's continue on. I'll, I'll get into Caleb a little later. But when, but the, the men that went up with him said, we will not be able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. And there we, we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants. And we are in our own sight are as grasshoppers, and so we are in their sight. You will notice that this passage that we read, starting this, I think, yeah, we started in verse 26, that these men, during the, the latter part of the, the passage that we just read, they make absolutely no sense at all. And let me explain why. In one breath, they tell us that there are giants in the land, correct? A land that could make and sustain giants is a land of prosperity. But then, in like the next sentence, they tell us that the land eats up the inhabitants. Well, if the land eats up the inhabitants, how could there be giants there, right? I mean, I mean, you read this, like it makes absolutely no sense. When people are enslaved by fear, they make no sense at all, right? Like, it's, it's like, um, I, I don't know what to use for an example. Uh, I, I guess I'll just like use a movie or something. You know, like when the, they, they, they come and it's like a, a horror movie or whatever, and they're trying to explain something to someone, and they're like huffing and puffing, and like words are flying all over the place, and you really don't know what they're trying to tell you. And it's kind of like what's going on here. They're enslaved by fear. They, it makes no sense in what they're saying. And we'll pick this up in ver uh, uh, for chapter 14, starting with verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? God delivered these Israelites from slavery. 
God parted the Red Sea. God fed them with manna. God did so many things to, for these people to base their faith upon that he is the almighty God, right? And in, in the beginning of chapter 14, they're, they're on the, the, the precipice. They're right there, like right on the border of the promised land. You know, the, all they have to do is just go forward in faith and just take it. You know, just, just like God promised it to them. But it, they were about to turn around, beginning of, verse, uh, beginning of chapter 14, doubting all of God's leadership, doubting all of God's miracles that he did previously that got them to the promised land in the first place. Verses 5 through 9. Let's read verses 5 through 9. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all of the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people, of the land, for they are bred for us, their defiance is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. You know, so I was doing a little research when I got to verse 9. Uh, Caleb, and, uh, Caleb and Joshua, they, they tell us here in verse 9 that don't rebel against the Lord, neither f- fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defiance is parted from them. So their defiance has part, uh, departed from them, which indicates that they used to have protection, right? And so, like, I, I was starting to do research, and I, I tried to look into, like, who are they talking about here? Like, who, who are these people that, you know, their, 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 defi- their protection has departed from them? And if anyone knows the answer, let me know, because I couldn't find it. So let's continue on. Uh, so only rebel not, and the Lord is with them. Fear them not. And it's just like he said earlier. They're standing... Uh, in front of the whole camp of Israel. And they're standing, you know, and they, they, they take off, they, they rip off their clothes, and, and, and you know, they, they're saying, don't rebel against God. Don't rebel against God. Stay faithful. If God wants to give us this land that, that flows with milk and honey, then he'll give it to us. We'll take it. It's going to be ours, right? A majority of the children of Israel, there's only two people that remain faithful in this, in this situation. I mean, that's not including Moses, of course. But where there's always, like, a big group of people and, you know, of, of faith and, and Christians, and then you, you get to these hard times, and, and you, you get to these times where you, the situations and the trials, they really test your faith and, and see if you're really grounded in the Word of God. And there always remains a remnant a majority of them, you know, they're just like, oh, whatever, this is all blah, blah, blah. And then there's always those two that always try to intercede on the behalf of the majority of the people. And in, in this situation, it's Caleb and Joshua. When there are men that remain faithless, there are always men that remain faithful, correct? So... God here, later on in in chapter 14, God decides that he wants to destroy the people of Israel. And, you know, if I was God, I probably would have destroyed them a long time ago. Um, But he wants to destroy the people of Israel. 
and he wants to have a new chosen people who will be, uh, you know, the, the children of Moses. Now, Moses, the spirit of Jesus Christ, he intercedes on the behalf of those people who have only caused Moses hardship, right? I mean, all these people have done is complain and whine and say how they want to go back to Egypt. Why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? And, and why did you do this? And why did you do that? Moses had to put up with a, a bunch of whiners, a bunch of people who complained, a, a bunch of people at, who at one point wanted to kill Caleb and Joshua. Right? And he, the spirit of Christ, he prays and he intercedes on the behalf of these people that practically hate him, right? God, he accepts that, he appreciates the intercession, and he accepts the intercession, and he tells Moses the consequences, in verse, starting with verse uh, 20, I believe. Yeah, verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. 21, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit with him, and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Bible tells us in verse 24 that Caleb has a different spirit, right? You pay attention to this. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and he hath followed me, listen to this word, he had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land, and I and his seed shall possess it. And then it describes the spirit as following God fully. He has this, he has this different spirit from the rest of Israel. And then it goes on to describe that this spirit is he follows God fully, correct? And now keep in your minds that, actually before I go there, I want to make a point. Caleb and Joshua, the remnants of the, the people that came back from, from the spying out the land of Canaan, they want to intercede on the behalf of these people, right? And, and he... As, in a, as a consequence to, to the Israelite camp and their unfaithfulness to God, the consequence is they have to wander the wilderness and for 40 years, right? And Caleb and Joshua, don't you? I mean, if I was Caleb, I, I would say, oh, no, that's, that, that consequence doesn't apply to me because I remain faithful. I, I don't have to do this. I, you know, it's the ten, it was the other 10 spies that, that had the faithless report. You know, why do I have to go and, and wander the wilderness for 40 years? Why can't I attain this promised land right now, God? You know, why do I have to do this? They, they, they didn't say any of that. What did they do? They wandered in the wilderness with them, right? Now, some of you guys, leaders in the church, you know, as we as Christians and we as, as Adventists, we, that automatically promotes us to leaders in this world. Automatically. But then there's in our own spheres of, of influence where if you're on the church board or, or wherever you're at and wherever you're the leader, I mean, there's going to be times when the people around you are going to remain, they're going to be faithless. And, 
And because of their faithlessness, there's going to be uh, consequences, right? But when they have these consequences, be like Caleb and Joshua. Wander in the wilderness with these people. Help these people. You know, continue to, to try and guide these people. But what catches me is these guys, the, the Israelite camp, they wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua. They wanted to stone them. And so Caleb and Joshua, spirit of Christ, just like Moses, they're like, you know what? I want to spend 40 years with these people that want to stone me. <laughs> what men of mercy, right? We too need to pray to have this same spirit that, that Caleb and Joshua and them had. Because if I was, if you guys wanted to stone me for something I said, I, I would probably get in my car and, and drive off and probably leave the state of Hawaii. But in this situation, it, it's nothing like that. They're like, okay, they'll stone on us, but we'll still, you know, we'll, we'll go suffer the consequence with them. We'll wander in the wilderness with them for 40 years. Men of mercy, men of forgiveness, you know, men of love and, and, and joy and peace, right? But let's get back to here. So keep in mind, I, I was talking about Caleb in verse 24. So my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and followed me fully, right? So he had another spirit, and that spirit was he followed God fully. Keep in mind that every Israelite was following God. They were following God to, to some extent when, you know, since they're leaving Egypt. They, they left Egypt, right? They, uh, they ran through the Red Sea. Uh, they were following God. They followed God through the wilderness, right? They, every Egypt, every, every Israelite, they were all following God to some extent in their walk. But not fully, right? Not fully. Everyone followed God out of Egypt, but not everybody followed God into the promised land. You see, just because you leave Egypt, there is no guarantee that you're going to enter into the promised land. Everyone was following God. Everybody was following God, but just because you follow God out of your, your spiritual Egypt, there's no guarantee you're going to get into the spiritual promised land. And listen to this. The same motivation that got the Israelites out of Egypt is the same motivation that kept them out of the promised land. Listen to this very carefully. What was that motivation? That's the question that all of you guys are wondering. They wanted to escape difficulty. That, that was the motivation of getting out of Egypt. Why did it, because in, why, 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 why would they want to escape difficulty? Because in Egypt, you're suffering. In your spiritual Egypt, you're suffering from, from, from sin, and, and you're suffering from Satan, and, and all of these, these unpleasures of the world, right? Everybody wants to free themselves from that. You see, many people, they, they leave Egypt because they want to escape difficulty. And they don't get into Canaan because they are trying to escape difficulty. You see, if you have, have left Egypt to escape difficulty, that's, that's fine. That's fine. If you want to follow God to escape difficulty, that's Okay, praise God that you, at least you're making the efforts to leave Egypt. 
If someone comes to Jesus because of fear, that's, that's fine. If, if they come to Jesus to escape difficulty, that's fine. But if they stay that way in their personal walk and relationship with God, that's when it becomes big trouble, right? Is your experience with Jesus today based on a principle that, ah, you know, I just want to escape difficulty? If it is, then as you stand on the border of the promised land, you will not attain what God has promised you. Because in order for you to uh, attain this promised land, there's things that you're going to have to go through. And we know these things as, as 2 Timothy. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So in order for you to attain what God has promised you, in order for you to get into this promised land, there's there's persecution that you're going to have to go through. There's hard difficulties. That there's times, there's, there's going to be times in your lives where you just feel like you're down and out. And there's going to be trials and tribulations that you're going to be faced with on a day-to-day basis. And if you came to God to escape difficulty, that's fine. But in your walk with him, you need to grow on a day-to-day basis also. Even if you have left Egypt behind, (laughs) does it mean you're getting into heaven? Do you want to get into the heavenly kingdom? Let me see a show of hands of you guys who want to get into the heavenly kingdom. Then you better have a different spirit from the rest of Israel, folks. Better have a different spirit from from the rest of Israel. Because we're all, they were all willing to, to leave Egypt and follow Jesus. But we're not willing to do what they had to do to attain the promised land. You see, when you want to attain this heavenly promised land, this, this, this promises that, that God has, has given to us for our future, you're going to go through pain. You're going to go through hardships. You're going to go through sorrow. See, once you step off the devil's enchanted grounds and you become available to Christ, the devil despises you. The devil hates you. And the devil's going to do what he can do in all of his power to break your faith down so you don't make it just like him. But the only way that you're going to make it into the promised land is if you have a different spirit from the rest of Israel. You're not just following God to escape difficulty. You're not just following God to escape difficulty. You're not just following God to to just for the sake of following God. You're following God unconditionally, no matter what happens, no matter what you have to go through, you're going to follow God. Not partially, but fully. Keep that word in your mind as you go in your Christian walk. Keep that word in your mind as you as the devil throws things in your faces. And keep that in mind mind every second that you breathe that you need to follow God fully we are all called as leaders um, in this Adventist church to follow God not partially um, but fully and that means wherever God leads us no matter how difficult the circumstance And if not, you may have left Egypt, but you're not getting into Canaan. I mean, it sounds harsh. It may sound kind of, I don't know, but it's true. It's true. 
if you don't believe me, just read the book of Revelation and, and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But see, the good thing is, is we know we're going to suffer persecution in these last days. The National Sunday Law is going to take place and, you know, we're not going to be able to buy or sell and, and all of these different things are going to happen. But God has told us these things so we can prepare and so that he most of all can help us prepare our faith and help us to be grounded so we don't just get blown away in the wind when it comes through. How many of you guys learned something? I hope you guys learned something. This is the first time I ever preached this sermon, so I, I probably did a pretty bad job. But God, God, oh, <laughs> amen, you're agreeing with me. That's fine. <laughs> but I was going to try to go into this and compare this to the 144,000, but I'm not going to try because I just might slaughter it. <laughs> so let's just close with the word of prayer. Our Father and our God that is in heaven, we thank you for this day. I struggled with this message, but I believe that you uh, said something through me that reached someone's heart here today. And um, Father, we just ask you now that you impart in us that different spirit, that same spirit that Caleb had, that spirit that he, he followed you not conditionally, but unconditionally. He followed you through no matter what the circumstance was, and he followed you fully, Father. And not only that, he was a man of mercy because he wandered the wilderness for 40 years with these people when, in my mind, he shouldn't, had to, he shouldn't have had to do that. But he's a man of mercy and a man of love and a man of forgiveness. And Father, we ask you now that you give us this same spirit that he had, that you impart us this, this same spirit so that when we face trials and tribulations in our lives, when we're going through hard times, when we're getting knocked down, we just keep in mind, Father, that you're the king and that you have one more move in our lives. Sometimes it, it seems like we're, it's checkmate. It, it seems like there's, there's no way out. It seems like there's no way to, to, to turn, no one to turn to, no one to trust, and, and different things like this, Father. But we just ask you now that you just keep in our minds that, you're the all-powerful God. You're the God that created the heavens and the earth. You're the God that spoke things into existence. You're the God that got down on your hands and knees and formed us in your image. Keep us humbled. And keep in our minds that the only way we're going to make it through this life and make it to the next is if we follow you fully, Father. And we have a different spirit from the rest of Israel. Bless us as we uh, depart from this place. And uh, we just praise your name and glorify your name for all that you've done. And all these things we pray in the son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.